listeners. This is your host, Danielle Blinka, and I am pleased to bring you a very special bonus episode today. You see, one of my good friends, Nick Pinelli, has an amazing podcast called Nick Minus Namdi that covers so many super cool topics and has really great content coming at you. Well, Nick and I have made a crossover episode that each of us will be posting. He has already posted his, and this is mine that I am posting for you right now. Now, each episode is different. You may want to listen to both or just pick one, but you should definitely check out his podcast after you listen to Bad Acts today. Thank you. I hope you enjoy this crossover. Let us know what you think, and let's get started. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Nick Minus Namdi. Woo, woo, woo. So excited woo, woo, woo. to have you back. And yes, this time I actually have a co-host once again, and it is the fantastic, the dangerous, and the elusive Danielle Don't You Blinka. Hello. Yeah, she is a fellow podcaster, and she podcasts an amazingly cool and pretty funny podcast called Bad Acts, which I will let her tell you a little bit more, but that is why this episode is called Bad Acts Minus Namdi. It is a crossover episode because I just love doing that, and so here we are podcasting, having a good time. So, um, Miss Danielle, please, Mm -hmm. what is Bad Acts? Tell us about your podcast. Okay, well, I love true crime podcasts, and so I've been wanting to start one for a while, but I was worried at first I could not come up with my own special angle on it, and then I just decided I might as well go for it. So we're doing mostly like supernatural theme cases and also just ones that are like super gross. That's kind of like the <laughs> angle that we went for, <laughs> because I like supernatural stuff like vampires and ghosts and such. And there are more than you would expect of cases of like murder and mayhem where somebody claims they're a werewolf or they blame a ghost or they were trying to turn their friend into a vampire. And so we do a lot of cases about that kind of thing. Plus, you know, like axe murders and such. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard a couple of them and they are pretty uh, crazy. That is really funny, the supernatural and super gross ones. Um, I will say, too, though, you guys do a really good job of like talking about even some serious stuff and then like putting a funny little spin on it. The last one I listened to was the uh, ghosts um, attacking the, the... it was like this family had claimed that ghosts had attacked their baby, which was like totally insane. And like I said, mm-hmm. bit bit of serious topics, but you also put a really um, good spin on it. And I highly, highly recommend Bad Axe Podcast. It's freaking hilarious. Um, you also said that this was something that you wanted to do for a little bit, but you weren't exactly sure. So um how did you get your stuff together to make this podcast happen? And do you have any advice for other podcasters just wanting to do something? Yes. I think the most important part was doing some research and just seeing what I could find like case wise Because part of the trick with true crime is that there are so many true crime podcasts out there that a lot of these cases have been covered over and over and over and over again. 
And so for a long time, I just didn't think I could find cases that weren't covered so heavily by the big boys of podcasting to like make it justifiable that I'm doing this. And so I started there. And then once I saw there were some cases that I hadn't heard before that seemed kind of interesting, we used a a less a more expensive microphone that was less good than the one we have now, ironically. Um, for the first few episodes, there's a it's weird because the audio is not as good um, with the expensive microphone that is the one we have now. But I had that microphone for doing like Zoom. So I used that and I used Audacity to kind of get started like for cheap basically because Audacity was free. And then I did pay for the podcast host, which I use Buzzsprout uh, mostly because they had so many resources. Like in this case, content marketing actually did help because Buzzsprout had so many good articles about how to get your podcast started <laughs> that I just also podcasting as, is about speaking well, and we can both do that. <laughs> we can both do that or editing um, out our not so great. Speech. I have gotten in the habit of actually editing it. I say like way more than someone should. <laughs> and I also say, all right, now a lot. So I've been trying to take all those out. So if you hear like a weird part of the podcast where there doesn't seem to be a transition, it's because I said, all right now, and then cut it in <laughs> editing. <laughs> oh, I know that so hard. Um, it's actually really cool that you kind of let us know exactly what equipment you were using and where you were going for all that. Because funnily enough, it's actually pretty different from me. I'll admit I also use Buzzsprout. Um, they are a fantastic hosting website mm -hmm. because they're very inexpensive and they're geared towards helping you get your podcast. I learned so much about how my show was going to go um, and what resources to go to, where to go. Uh, they had everything. Uh, my microphone is something that I actually got as a Christmas present one year. And it was more so just like a microphone for doing uh, voiceover work or oh, recording. Yeah. And it wasn't meant really for podcasting. It's kind of a more generic one. Um, but I just said, well, this is the mic that I have. This is something I want to do. Uh, here's an idea that I have as well. And, oh gosh, I, like I just swallowed really loudly. And that's going to be picked up all over the mic. And re-listening to that is one of the most disgusting things ever. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, um, so yeah, so uh, my equipment was different. My ideas were a little bit different. Um, I record on GarageBand as opposed to Audacity, on Audacity. I just know GarageBand a little bit easier. And it's very easy for me to do uh, what I need to do there. So I like that we're doing something different, giving people different ideas, which is uh, excellent, excellent. Sweet. So that was a little bit. Oh, and I should say, that's right. We're getting a little bit spooky here on this podcast because it is a true crime podcast. Not something I normally do, but every episode is not something I normally do. That's kind of the whole point. So let's move on to getting to know a little bit more about you, Miss Danielle. I have... I have right off the bat for you one of our sections here that I personally enjoy called Totally Untrue Facts. In this section, I will tell you three facts which are 100% true about you, and then you can tell me how they're not at all true or if I got any of it right or anything like that. These are going to be simple <laughs> facts, but please, um, if I get it right, tell the whole world, okay? All right. I'm here. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so... Fact number one, Danielle once had a cat named... Son actually, hold on. 
I wrote I wanted to write Daniel had a cat named Simon uh, named Simon, but I accidentally typed Daniel once had a car named Simon. So did you have a car or cat named Simon? Um no. I feel like Simon has to be a really close name to a cat that I've had though. There's really? like a tiny chance that I had briefly had a cat named Simon. Um just, I'm just gonna be <laughs> one honest. Might, I've had one might have found its way in there. Yeah, because, you know, I've had a couple of cats that were, like, temporary cats where they showed up at the house, and then my mom gave them away, and they just disappeared. <laughs> and so it's possible one of those was named Simon. Okay. Um, I have never had a car named Simon. Mm-hmm. I have had a car named Penny and a car named Pippa. Oh, yeah. Do you have Pippa now still? Uh, Pippa died tragically oh, <laughs> in a no. car accident a few years ago. <laughs> oh, no. So but sorry. I, Penny is her replacement. Okay. okay. Yeah, Penny the Prius. Penny the Prius. What color? Orange. Oh, of course. Orange. Prius. I go hard. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so it's a possibility of a cat. Definitely no car named Simon. Got it. Definitely. Okay, so fact number two. Your favorite cookies are those kinds that you find at like a department store, the sugar cookies that have all the big icing on them you know what i'm talking about everybody knows what i'm talking about but nobody knows the name of those cookies but those are your absolute favorite sugar cookies no they are not although ironically i just made some of those sugar cookies but gluten-free because i can't have gluten um for christmas i made them at home and they were so wonderful i ate like all of them like literally every single one of the cookies but i think for favorite cookies oh my goodness i made me chocolate chip like every basic person ever maybe well i like chocolate chip cookies yeah there's a reason why chocolate chip is like everybody's favorite it's because it's the best but Mm -hmm. i'm i'm totally like shocked by this you made those types of cookies like you can make that you don't just have to buy them at some department store that's not how they just come make them i made i started with like a regular sugar cookie recipe um, for gluten-free cookies, though, because of the gluten mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, and then after I baked them into, like, the little circles, I used, like, regular icing from, like, a tube that was also gluten-free. And I just, like, squeezed a circle of icing on them um, and then put, like, some sprinkles. And it was the exact same cookie at the end. I did not set out to create this. It just worked out. <laughs> That's just how it happened at the end. It was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. cool. That's awesome. All right. Great. Um, and they were gluten-free. Yes. I've been learning how to make more gluten-free stuff. I've been on a gluten-free diet for over a year and a half now, maybe closer to two years. Um, but I found out that I was allergic to gluten. And it has made my life better, except for all the good foods are banned. So that that part <laughs> sucks. So that, yeah. Just, that, that does kind of suck. Everything is great, except that I can't eat as well. But other than that, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. All right, and now I have fact number three for you. Last fact here. Danielle has never faked her death, but you definitely have the perfect plan should the occasion arise. Oh, this is almost true. I knew um, it. I have really thought way too long about faking my own death. I and it's knew not it. because like I'm a weirdo. It's just that it's really interesting. I started writing a novel about it actually, about a girl faking her own death. Uh, because it's like I don't know. It's like the ultimate puzzle without actually 
hurting anyone. Like, I think that's what's so interesting about true crime is it's like a puzzle that you're trying to figure out. But if it's faking a death, like no one actually dies in that in theory. Um, and so, so unless you murder someone and then pretend it's you, um, which is bad, I would never do that. <laughs> but like, it is a kind of a puzzle to put together of how to put the pieces in play to make it happen. Like, I know you can't do it in water because bodies resurface. Um, so that's one of the things. That's one thing that and you know for sure. Get caught because they call someone like in their family or they go to a funeral or a wedding or something. That's how they get caught is because most people who fake their own deaths will miss their families. So they'll be like, oh, it's grandma's birthday. Let me dive, dive, dive. Hi, grandma. Happy birthday. And the cops are like, we got you. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a lot of uh, that's just not thinking. If you're going to fake your death, you got to stay fake dead, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. So For no bills. water, no water, no calling grandma. Any other tips on faking your death? Yeah, there's this like whole book. I don't remember who it is. I've heard about this lady though on two different podcasts, but this one lady wrote a book where she found that if she went to the Philippines and bought a corpse, that was the best way to fake your death because then there's a death certificate and your so you can present it as like, look, so-and-so died in a car crash and no one can really prove it because it's from the Philippines. Uh-huh. Apparently there's some corruption there. Wait, I kind of get it yeah we'll move on and not think about it too hard I know. <laughs> that's that's there there's some interesting activities going on interesting i know it's weird i feel like you have to get good paperwork though that's i think the tricky part to either either present yourself as dead or to start over so it's like how do you how do you do that can you believe that that the hard part of Faking your death is not the actual like faking your death. It's the logistics. It's the like paperwork mm-hmm. and the filing and all of that kind <laughs> of stuff. Like the most boring part of it. I was literally thinking when you were yeah. first talking, oh, I wonder if she's writing her book about a person coming up with the plan on how to fake their death. And then I realized, no, that'd be kind of boring if, if the whole book is just about planning it. You know, like all the paperwork, like, and then she typed on her computer, this is my exit strategy. Like, well, who yeah. cares? But um, that's what'll get you in the end, right? It's always the freaking paperwork. For reals, that I think uh, my book that I was working on kind of starts to like, she has a younger sibling and she's gotten away with the faking the murder part, not faking the murder, faking the death part. But now she wants to go back to help her sister, but she can't without revealing herself. <laughs> so she's like trying to figure out how to do that and get like the paperwork and stuff. Nice. Which the paperwork part is not like, you know, she's not like at the DMV or something for like two pages or two chapters. Like, man, this line will not end. <laughs> end of chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, this line is still going. End of the next chapter. I mean, <laughs> that's how. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, that's funny. All right. And I feel like I've known you for a little while now, and you've always mm-hmm. been a little bit of an odd duck, which I love about you. <laughs> but uh, this murder podcast, true crime podcast, is totally up your alley. Like when you said that you were doing this and I found that out, I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense and she's going to be great at it. And you are, which is awesome. Um, but I have to say, if those are the kinds of judgments I'm making about you, you're an interesting kind of person, obviously. Very cool kind of person. So <laughs> I want to ask you something I like to ask mm-hmm. all of my guests. What would you say that 
you are the most passionate about and what kind of drives you to do what you do. And this can be a little more serious. If you've got cool life motos, great. Or it can just be totally stupid, whatever. So the thing I'm most passionate about, yes. I, I think it must be writing just because that's like the thing that I've always done throughout my like whole life um, is just write stories and poems and stuff. Um, obviously for a while they sucked <laughs> because everyone sucks at first. Um, I'm aware. I'm like, I'm okay with that part of my soul, <laughs> but I think that's it. And I, I definitely bring that to the podcast too, because I always write a script like beforehand. Um, at this point, it's just for me. Aaron doesn't get one anymore. Aaron's like my main co-host. He, at the beginning, I would like put parts for him to say, but he needed to like have the freedom to just do his own comments. So all oh, of his, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Speaking of which, you're right. Aaron, your co-host host is not here. I totally forgot to mention my co-host <laughs> couldn't be here either. Um, yeah, sorry. It's obviously I'm going to, let me see if I can circumvent this and do some good editing to try and put it back in the beginning. We'll figure this out. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. But, uh, so it's Nick, I'm your co-host and my, no, I'm the, I'm the host. Man, I'm really messing this intro up. Anyway, no. Um, so I am Nick. I am your host. And unfortunately, my co-host Namdi couldn't be here today. He was building a fortress of Legos. It got a little bit too big and he got lost inside. So he's not here. Instead, we have the wonderful Danielle Blinka. So that's where my co-host, that's where my co-host went. He um, couldn't be here because he had Lego issues. So that's his problem. Your co-host couldn't be here because he was actually working and doing something important. But my co-host... Yes, he's computering. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's like my whole gimmick and I messed it up. So anyway, go it's ahead. Okay. It's okay. It's the morning time. It is the morning recording time. This. It is the morning time. Well, I am very curious to figure out what's going to end up in the episode. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah, so I totally know those feels. I forget stuff sometimes, even when I write them down, because it's like they're, my script that I write for myself is more like notes. So I kind of follow along, but I get off topic. And also we have like discussions in between some of the points. So none of that is like scripted. So if you get to the point, you'll notice the difference usually listening. I do because I listen to the podcast so many times um, for like editing, but then also for just listening to see how what other people are experiencing mm -hmm. and I will be picking apart my own stuff as I'm listening and I'll notice what I'm reading from like my prepared notes I'll be like yes yeah, so-and-so was living in this city and she had her husband and boyfriend with her okay maybe not both but you know what I mean yeah her child loved her as a mother and then you'll hear the part where it's not scripted. I was like, oh my God, this person is doing the stupidest shit ever. <laughs> I'm also realizing that I didn't ask you if it was okay if I said cuss words. Oh, that's okay. I'll just bleep it out or I won't. Or it'll just be weird editing. <laughs> I goes, know. I always the stupidest. <laughs> just like that it's just gonna be super weird noises it's just a blank spot it just goes from like this person is a blank idiot is <laughs> <laughs> that idiot just like pauses there mm -hmm. um yeah no i actually i feel bad because i do the exact same thing i've got my uh, literally the way i have it set up is i see your face on zoom and then right next to you is all of my notes and i write out 
I, I do the same thing. I listen to it and then I'll um, hear myself back and realize when I'm reading. So I try not to read too much, but at the same time, then I get off topic. Um, and I literally have Namdi couldn't be here today because of Lego Fort. And I wrote that out, but I still friggin' missed it anyway. I promise you I'm prepared podcaster. Um, yes. So this, just so you know, if you never recorded a podcast, this is the real trials and tribulations. You listen to yourself back here. You say the word mm-hmm. like and um or do mm-hmm. all of those gross sounds with your mouth all the time. Mm-hmm. Heavy breathing. Heavy I breathing. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't look at your notes even though you wrote them down. And you're like, I want to be you know, free flow and everything. But also I make no sense and I ramble. It's a, it's a whole – it's a lot more difficult than I had thought. That's for sure. It is. My accent changes. Because like, and partially because I do voices anyway, but I'll usually start with like my desired voice of, of my, of just me being a podcaster and having like a decent voice. And then by the time we get to the part where I'm judging the murderer, because I have a habit of doing that, my like serious Texas comes out and it sounds like two different people to me when I'm listening, I'll be like, Oh, my voice sounds great on this episode. And then halfway through I'm have an attitude <laughs> and it's <laughs> not the same voice at all to me. It's like, why, <laughs> why self? That's Just funny. talk slowly. Just talk. It'll be okay. You'll be fine. Um, yes. Awesome. Awesome. I think that covers basically it. Um, yeah, actually I'll say this too, just to, as a bonus question, maybe you'll put this in your Patreon episode. Or if I'm just a Patreon episode, who knows what I'll, uh, what this will end up being? Because we also, when we started this, we're like, this sounds like a great idea. Uh, how does it work? Um, so Girls. we're not, yeah. Um, we're, so we're gonna be a regular bonus special, just in the oh, middle of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Let's middle do week it. Extra. Yeah. Freaking do it. I'd love to. Um, and if you ever want me to, if you're ever looking for more bonus content and you need something, I'll come back on and do that because I honestly, the reason I started podcasting is just because I love it. I love the idea of uh, recording and um, talking about some interesting things with some interesting people and kind of putting it out there. And one thing that I've noticed about a lot of the creative endeavors that I've done, and I'd love for you to also talk about this, Danielle, is that. Um, the way to do it is just to do it. You know, you say, mm-hmm. oh, I have this idea for something. And then you're like, how do I do I don't know, just freaking do it. Yep. You were saying, I don't know if we got this on the podcast already or not, but you were saying how you've been doing like your social media advertisements for the podcast. And that's kind of been mm-hmm. an interesting journey for you. So um, I don't know if we've said this specifically, but what made you want to do not just this type of podcast, but just a podcast in general and how has this experience been so far? Or what are some of the trials and tribulations you've had? Why do you keep going? All that kind of stuff. Definitely. I enjoy listening to podcasts, particularly true crime, but I do listen to a few different um, types of con- um, podcasts, especially crime. But I have listened to like an improv podcast and um, a binge eating podcast because I may or may not have a problem with that. And so there's I do some too, good don't podcasts. You worry for that so does Aaron and he's so skinny and he still does it and it makes me crazy okay I'm not gonna get into that but there's like some really good podcasts about that 
Um, and so I wanted to make a podcast and, or also lore. I like lore a lot. That was like my introduction to podcasts. That's the kind of podcast I like is more of a, a kind of a storytelling podcast sort of where, and also with chit chat in it usually, which is not what he does, but you know. Um, and so I, I wanted to start doing what I've been thinking for a long time. Like initially, you know, I love mermaids and my, my book that I'm working on that I'm almost finished with is about mermaids. And I thought about doing a mermaid podcast initially with like different types of mermaid stories, but I just wasn't sure if there was enough to make a mermaid podcast or if it's new enough since there are other like fairy tale podcasts out there already. But that was my first thought. And I just kind of wanted to do it. I thought it sounded fun. I enjoy performing and sharing and creating. So this was a great avenue for that. And so far it's been really fun. Yeah. I mean, the challenge to like write the episodes and do the research. I think that's the hardest part just because with true crime, you have to do a lot of research, both to find cases and to, to write a good episode about them. But it's also the kind of research that I like. I do. I like learning about stuff and I've done research for several of my jobs already. So it's something I'm good at. So yeah. overall it's been a good experience. Yeah, that's great. Um, interesting as well that you say that because my podcast is all about interviews and uh, <laughs> free flow and everything like that. So my prep work is I have like a general skeleton of an episode and then I can kind of tailor it to the person that I'm interviewing. And so there's not quite as much um, back work. However, mm -hmm. these podcasts that I record are all over the place. So yours, I, when I listen to them, it's like, I can tell there's a clear direction and all that kind of stuff. And when I, when I go back and I listen to mine, it's like, what are we talking about? Where is this coming from? And it makes editing the back end is very uh, laborious, but that's why we do it. It's the love of this whole thing. Um, so I just, yeah, I just find that these are like uh, trade-offs of the different styles of podcasts that you do mm -hmm. should you choose to do it. And that's also something else that I noticed, just totally random fact. Um, a lot of people that I know actually want to do podcasts. I didn't realize that so many people I knew wanted to do it. And they're super accessible. So I highly recommend, highly encourage you to do a podcast if you're looking for it. Um, yeah, both uh, Danielle and I just got our started and we're having a lot of fun with it. So. Yeah. Yes. And speaking of getting it started, um, which, by the way, that might be my smoothest transition I've ever had. <laughs> let's go ahead and get the real deal started. Let's start. I'm going to defer over to you, Danielle. We are going to start with your Bad Acts podcast, and we're going to switch it up. I'll be your co-host, and I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready. Let's see how this goes. Yeah, definitely. Hello and welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka, and this is our co-host, Nick Pinelli, not Aaron this time. Whoa. All right. Well, today's story takes us to Bethany, Oklahoma in November 2007. Now, I did do a brief Google image search about Bethany, and it looks like your classic southern small town with like wood signs and small buildings and lots of green space. Um, I did not look at a lot of photos, but that appears to be what our town looks like. Well, it actually Yay. works out 
it actually works out pretty well that I'm on here for this one. I lived in Oklahoma for like three years. Um, I can tell you that not much is there. Bethany is a place that I've not heard of, which is kind of a big deal because um, when you live in Oklahoma, a big town has like 400 kids in the high school. Um, and Bethany, Oklahoma was not even that. So it sounds like a real small, small, rural, uh, out of nowhere town. Definitely, definitely. All right. Now, in that small town, 20-year-old Lauren J. Barnes was preparing to welcome her first child into the world, a daughter that she called Avery. While Lauren hadn't planned her pregnancy, she was ecstatic about being a mother, and as the oldest child in her family, she was no stranger to caring for children. Now, Lauren's mother, Catherine McDaniel, describes her daughter as a good child who liked to keep her personal information to herself. In fact, she didn't even tell her mother about her pregnancy face-to-face. Instead, she revealed it in a letter. Oh, snap. There's already deception. Okay. (laughs) I know. I can't imagine. I feel like it would be hard to tell your parents you were pregnant at 20, though, because I believe she was living at home, and I think that's, like, the scariest thing. Wait, so she's living with her parents? When she I gets- think she lives with her mom. Her parents are divorced, but I do mm-hmm. think she lives with her mom. Okay, so she's living with her mom, but she gives her a letter? Yep. <laughs> Just like, dear mom, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <The end. laughs> See you at dinner. Bye. <laughs> For reals. All right, even at her young age, Lauren wanted to keep and parent her baby. She got a job as a housekeeper at an apartment complex in Oklahoma City so she could earn money to support her baby. Additionally, her father, Jeff, helped her turn her bedroom into a nursery. Now, at first, she didn't tell anyone the father's name, which is kind of a big deal. According to her dad, she didn't want anything to do with him anymore, even though she was having his child. Lauren wanted to parent her daughter alone, but unfortunately, it's not so easy to walk away from the father of your child. Mm, Right? I don't like where this is going. (laughs) I know. Um, I also did not like where this was going. I I get, I don't agree with people like taking children away from other people, but I kind of mm-hmm. get it, especially in this case, um, because I feel like when you're 20, you probably know your relationship's not lasting forever. And maybe she was just like, you know what? <laughs> this baby's forever, but this dude's not. I'm just going to like <laughs> do this by myself. Yeah, there's a lot of decisions that are being made at that age that you don't know if they're going to last necessarily. Yeah, it's so hard watching people who are really young trying to make life decisions because you've been there and you know that they're like, oh, this is my life forever. Like, no, it's not. No, temporary decisions, people. (laughs) All right. So eventually she did reveal her baby's father's name, and it was her school's valedictorian 20-year-old Eric Fan. Yeah, so she's got with this dude she went to high school with. Our official main part of our story starts on November 23rd of 2007 because Lauren, who was five months pregnant at this time, told her mother she was headed to a friend's house for an overnight visit. She pulled on a cozy winter hat, kissed her mom goodbye, and left the house. And she had no way of knowing it was her last time to leave home. Yes, because Lauren actually lied to her mother about her destination that night. But she did confess to her 15-year-old sister, Cassandra, something sinister. 
In a text, she told Cassandra she was feeling nervous about her meetup that night. However, Lauren had a very important task to accomplish. She sent her last text that night at 8.34 p.m. And in that text, she told her sister the person she'd gone to meet had arrived. And at that point, her phone went silent. Ooh, okay. So we're going to find out what this task is, right? You got me, you got me cliffhanging mm-hmm. here. That's not fair. I did. That's not I, fair. I wanted to hide some stuff from you. Oh, you are <laughs> hiding some things from me, and I don't like it. I don't I'm spooky. I this is scary. It is. I just like... I feel bad in, in these stories, at least like crime cases, because a lot of times when people are a little bit younger, they tell their parents they're going somewhere and then go somewhere else where they're getting murdered. And I, it sucks to be the parents because you're thinking like, oh, my child is just at their best friend's house. It's fine. And really, Fatal they're mistake. in the actual forest with their murderer. So Fatal mistake. Come on. Yes. You always tell somebody the real truth about where you're going. Somebody, even if it's mm-hmm. 15-year-old Cassandra, she's got to step it up. Yep. Cassandra has has some good details she can provide. Okay, good. All right. The next morning, um, Lauren's mom began texting and calling Lauren, wondering where she could be. At first, she thought it was possible Lauren was just out and taking advantage of being a full-grown adult. I mean, she is 20 years old. She can kind of do what she wants. She's not a child anymore. But so the mom left several messages, getting more and more upset as the day went on since her daughter wasn't answering anything. Now, soon, a new worry crept into McDaniel's mind. She knew Laura needed a daily injection to prevent blood clots, which she'd had in her leg. Without it, Lauren and the baby could be in danger. So, something must be wrong. Oh, no, I was going to say, that's at least there's that so that the mom knows it's not just like where she's mad at her daughter for like a really mm-hmm. long, like, how rough is that? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you didn't answer me for like, two days or something and then you realize it's because something happened i don't know that's always a worry that i have when somebody that i live with like goes out and then they're out for way longer than i expected oh my god yes i have a brief story about this so one of my former co-workers i was friends with went to a concert where our boss who was also kind of friendly with us also went this is several years ago so my boss and the co-worker are both at this concert well they both ended up getting lit and the boss gave the coworker permission to not come into work the next day because we had a full schedule and obviously they were going to be hung over. So the next day, the boss has completely forgotten that they gave this coworker permission to be off because they're drunk. So we are freaking out. Like we think she's died at the concert. Like we're like, she's in a field dead for sure. So we're calling her, texting her. Everyone's losing their shit. So she wakes up late to like infinity calls on her phone from every single person at work being like, are you alive? Where are you? You didn't come to work today. And she thought she was getting fired at first. So she calls us like, he said I could be off. What is going on? (laughs) And we all felt like butts. But yeah, that was the moment when we were like, turned to our boss and we're like, she said, you said you could be, she could be off. And he's like, oh yeah, I remember now. And we're like, (laughs) <laughs> for four hours we thought she was dead but <laughs> oh, so man. i feel like i feel like that's the situation sometimes oh my gosh yeah it's like so much there's well there's either that or there's like ugh, can you believe she didn't show up to work today wow she's definitely mm-hmm. gonna get fired 
huh, psych, she's dead. Like how, how rough would that be? You know what I mean? Yes. Aaron and I joke about if I ever go missing, it's going to take for freaking ever for anyone to notice because (laughs) especially during COVID, like it's just the house, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I guess Aaron would probably notice, but (laughs) maybe he'll go missing too. And then that's it. You're both gone. Yeah, we're both gone forever. <laughs> the cats are calling 911 like, where's my food? Like, meow, meow, meow. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So McDaniel, this is the mom, called Lauren's friend Vanessa, but she actually wasn't very worried. Um, as you remember, they are 20 years old, and she figured that Lauren had just hooked up with her baby's father, Eric, because according to Lauren's friends, she continued casually seeing Eric, even though they weren't a couple. And in fact, he was engaged to another woman and is just sort of scooching around with, with Lauren. Oh, no, Lauren. Eric's a piece of trash. <laughs> he you obviously is. knew this already, but come on. <laughs> For reals. So it wasn't until 48 hours later that Vanessa, the friend, first started realizing something was wrong because at that point, Lauren had been missing for too long for it to just be her out gallivanting around the town. So McDaniel reported her daughter missing, and police actually caught a break on that second day. They found Lauren's car in a local park, and the car was totally locked up and had some of Lauren's personal items inside. Now, since Lauren's sister told police that Lauren had gone to meet Eric the day she went missing, they questioned Eric right away. Now, during this interview, Eric told them he didn't believe he was the father of Lauren's baby. And he said they never met up that night and gave a list of locations that he had visited. Now, while he admitted to being at the park where Lauren's car was found, he said it was earlier in the day before the disappearance, and he claimed he didn't see her in the park. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I know. <laughs> like, I was you- there. But I didn't see her. Yeah. Why would you say that I was there at a different time of the day? Like, I think it's because someone saw him. That's the hard part, I feel like, when people are trying to talk to the police. You have to get ahead of it. Because if you say you weren't there and then they have a witness that says you were, they know you lied. Yeah. So you have to invent a reason why you were there, which Mm. I think is what he's doing here. Yeah. I was there at 3 o'clock, but this murder took place at 3.15, so... Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. I'm fine. <laughs> now, according to Eric, he was at work at the time of Lauren's disappearance. So, of course, it can't be him. And police did confirm that he was scheduled to work that night and retrieve footage of him at an ATM surveillance camera. So, based on that information, they accepted his alibi pending further investigation. So, at this point, it's looking like Eric is somehow not a suspect, even though a few people in her life, including her sister, are insisting. This is the person she was trying to be with that night. All right. Now, Lauren's friend, Vanessa, gave police a list of friends to question, but none of these friends are able to provide any information that might help find their friend. However, the police did get a clue. They found in her phone records that she talked to a man named Matt shortly before she disappeared. I know we have a new suspect. Oh, this Matt nefarious matt character i know i mean you never think there's going to be a murderer named matt a murderer named matt yeah it doesn't sound very interesting oh totally random again by the way i was thinking you should do mermaid murders how great would that be for a name of something 
That would be a great name. Right. You Maybe as about a it. side project. Not necessarily. I don't know if I could find enough cases where mermaids <laughs> murder people. <laughs> but who knows? Very, and it's also probably a very niche audience. Definitely. Definitely. Although I feel like I'd be in that audience. Oh, yeah. I'd be if there. anyone's going to do it, it's me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So according to this Matt fellow, they'd had a short online relationship that only lasted a few weeks, but they never met in person. However, police initially doubted the story because what, why would you have so many messages exchanged with this person if you've never met them, right? Like this is not so long ago they couldn't have met up. Yeah, so fair. Matt tells them that that night of the murder or disappearance, that he was with a friend at a local bar and even claimed to have been in an accident that night with his car. So police were able to pull that accident report and talk to the friend, visit the bar, and managed to clear have any involvement because all this occurred so far away, there's no way that Matt could have possibly been in town to meet up with Lauren. So Matt's clear too now? Yes, Matt gets cleared pretty easily. Um, oh. Apparently his car accident was like really far away from the town. And his car was like unusable or something. I so. guess Matt isn't the name of a murderer. I know. Shock. <laughs> All right. So at this point, McDaniel is super worried about her daughter because she clearly needs help. She hasn't had her medicine. She's been gone for several days. So she's spending all these sleepless nights picturing all these things that could be happening to her little girl. Almost a week after Lauren's disappearance, police conducted a search of Eldon Line Park where Lauren's car was found. Lauren's mom, along with hundreds of volunteers, joined the search effort. They even flew helicopters over the search site, which I thought was pretty cool. We got helicopters involved. Yeah, that's how you know it's legit. They're, they're willing to do helicopters for you. That's pretty cool. I know, right? So soon, Lauren's mom learned terrible news. Searchers found a body beside Lake Overholzer, which is two miles from the park. The victim is a woman killed with a gunshot wound to the head. As soon as they find this body, Lauren's family is super afraid because Lauren's missing. They know she was in this area. Now they have a woman's body that's been shot. So it seems like we found our body, right? Yeah, this is the worst kind of news that there could be right now. Exactly. But the police actually confirmed almost right away that the body did not belong to Lauren. It was an older woman. What? I know. That's absurd. I I know. It's so crazy. I have, we've done a couple of these cases so far where there's like a body that's found in the area of a disappearance. It's not the right person. Or the case is coming out today, actually. There's a psychic who finds the wrong body. (laughs) Um, while she gets a hunch about where the body is finds a completely different body which is just the best thing that's yeah in in terms of true crime (laughs) yeah in terms of true crime in terms of storytelling that's pretty great in terms of actual reality that's kind of messed up it's like not great (laughs) it's awful (laughs) this is where we're at here people like what are the odds you're waiting for your loved one to be found they find a body it's this completely different person yeah that's crazy I cannot find what happened to this woman. It's not clear. Um, it, it makes me wonder if she's like a suicide and maybe that's why they didn't say. Mm. Um, but it's just insane that they're in the same location. Like it makes you wonder how many people are missing from this town and how many people are using this park 
for like murders. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah, that does raise a lot of questions. You're right. I'm just not way more it. questions than answers. Way more questions than answers. For reals, it makes me wonder too. Like, of all the parks around us, are like, like don't, anytime don't go you're there. in, don't go there. It's like, too, are there dead bodies in there? Too real. Don't go there. The people in there like what's happening okay so okay so they find this body they rule out it, it being lauren it's just that story stops there with that with that poor per person um then the police learned an interesting bit of information eric fan the father of the babies alibi might not be as strong as previously thought because since his employer doesn't have on-site cameras it's impossible to know for sure if he stayed at work after he clocked in or if he clocked in and then left trying to form an alibi. Mm. Additionally, they learned something even more damning. Dun, despite, dun, dun. <laughs> despite being the father of Lauren's baby and her ongoing lover, Eric Fan has that fiance. Oh, right. Oh, you said that detail and it just didn't even. Whoosh, dang. Mm-hmm. He's got two ladies. Yeah. All right, so the detectives decide to go talk to the fiancé to find out what she knows about Lauren. And she tells police that Eric had stopped seeing Lauren and that he never told his parents or her that Lauren was pregnant with his baby. Eric's a douche. Eric's a douche. He really is. Get rid of this guy. All right, so while the police are still talking to this fiancé, Eric pulls up in front of the house. However, he doesn't come inside. He sees the police cars and then just speeds off. Ah, <laughs> oh, Eric. Yep. He's a dumb douche. For it's real, nothing man. says I'm so innocent. <laughs> <laughs> like seeing police cars and being like, whoop, in Florida. In <laughs> Florida? That's not smart. Yeah, just exactly. like. Exactly. You got to do the like silent Prius drive away at like five miles an hour hope they don't notice you as you scooch mm-hmm. out of the scene that would have been smarter i know or just be like oh i forgot something like oh, oh whoops officers i'm <laughs> so sorry oh i had i meant to stop at the store <laughs> continue <laughs> nothing suspicious here mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so six days after lauren's disappearance police finally get the break they needed on November 28th, Eric's best friend, Derek, I know their names are Eric and Derek. Douche and douche. Perfection. All right. Made a surprise visit to police station. He told, that, he told them that Eric came over to his house the night before and made a sudden revelation. While watching news coverage of volunteers searching for Lauren, Eric became ill and finally told Derek the truth. He confessed to his friend that he killed Lauren. <gasps> oh. I know. What? Crazy. Yeah, so okay. Derek is like either a great dude, depending on your perspective. Yeah. He's a little bit betraying his friend, but he is but also his friend. Justice. He also, his friend also murdered somebody, so mm-hmm, it kind of mm-hmm. changes the game. Yeah, I just, I should get it out there for my friends. Like, please don't confess murders to me. Like, I'm not the friend you should tell about your murders. <laughs> this is not going to work out for you. And a uh, message to my friends, please don't murder. Oh, that too. <laughs> Definitely don't murder. Let's, I feel let's like just every go back a step. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay innocent, my friends. <laughs> Stay innocent. That should be your tagline. Stay innocent, my friends. For real. <laughs> 
All right. According to Eric, he met up with Lauren that night where he strangled her, the mother of his unborn child. He also then dumped her body at the Stinchcombe Wildlife Park near the park where Lauren's car had been found. So this is what he told Derek. So as soon as the police hear this, they arrest Eric at his attorney's office because at this point he realizes that it's going down, right? Like yeah, he knows Derek's out there tabling. Oh yeah, he's bummed. Uh, he knows it. For reals. So authorities charge him with first degree murder and he proposes a surprising deal. Uh, Eric, as it turns out, does not want to be put to death. Hmm. And we're in Oklahoma and his girlfriend or fiance person, not fiance, his girlfriend who he killed also is pregnant. So a lot of people are really after some blood here. And there had been some discussions (laughs) about (laughs) what they were hoping would happen to him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And those discussions were unpleasant. So Eric decided to get out ahead of this and be like, hey... (laughs) You don't know where her body is. You're not going to find it. I'll tell you where the body is if you don't put me to death. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So the police decided to accept this deal um, to get get her body back. So Eric drew them a map. And using this map, police were able to find a pile of branches covering the site of Lauren's improvised grave. Now, ironically and kind of terribly, Lauren's friend Vanessa from earlier in the story had been searching for her in these park areas. And she'd actually walked over the grave a couple times while searching for her friend and did not realize that her friend was buried there, which is just gross. Oh, that's got to be. That's awful. That's got to haunt you. Yeah, messed up for sure, for sure. And it also just makes you realize how hard it was going to be for them to find her because of the fact that you know, they've been walking right over the grave over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they, the authorities are able to recover Lauren's body and send it off for an autopsy to try to figure out what happened. I mean, we know that he said that he strangled her, but that doesn't mean that's how she died. Um, and at her autopsy, the medical examiner does confirm that she died of asphyxiation, but it's not clear if she was actually strangled or if she died in her grave buried alive. Oh, the prevailing theory is that she died from the weight of the dirt on her. That she actually Good. survived the strangling and woke up buried. Oh, that's that's ugh, so For disgusting. Real. What a douche. There's, it really is. is. Like, who does Eric's, that? Eric's gone from being a douche to a dick. He's just, like, awful, this mm-hmm. guy. Exactly. Especially considering his motives, which we'll get to. Um, although I think you can figure them out. <laughs> I um, think so. Additionally, it doesn't take much thinking to get into this guy's brain. He probably doesn't do much no, thinking at all. He really doesn't. He does not at all. Um, so they determined also at this autopsy that the baby that that Avery is the baby's name was likely between 22 and 26 weeks along. So kind of far along um, for a baby, like in the womb. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually at like 24 weeks, I think you can survive if you're born prematurely. So it's oh. possible that this baby might have survived outside the don't, no, don't, don't even, don't even. Like, well, no, worse. it was still okay. Anyway, so Eric worse. pleaded guilty to the murder, you know, so he didn't get put to death. Mm-hmm. And at his plea hearing, Eric confessed that he'd been planning this murder for weeks and even dug the grave the day before he killed Lauren. Now, the part that really stuck out to me is initially his lawyer um, who I have I'm some problems with some of these lawyers sometimes because they're obviously defending terrible actions. 
but his lawyer had some tried to claim bad acts. Yes, they defend some bad acts, um, <laughs> including killing this lady and her baby. And the lawyer at first was like, "Oh yeah, he just like was pushed to the limit that day and snapped, and it was an oopsie." And then it, at, try, at like sentencing, he's like, "Yeah, I dug the grave ahead of that time. That's why it was such a good grave. Thumbs up uh, to me. That's not snapping. No, it's really not. No, not working." Yeah, so the reason why he planned this murder is because he wanted the quote-unquote perfect life with his fiance and family where he had a good job and a picture-perfect family and his eyes, an out-of-wedlock baby, ruined those plans. So yeah. Lauren had to die. So you're saying when you do something that really alters the course of your own life and the lives of several others, um, it, you don't get the life that you want by being a cheating and disgusting person mm-hmm. is what you're telling me? Okay. I know. Weird. Huh. It's weird how like it's other people's fault, though. Like He yeah. was a victim in this probably right. to his own mind. Absolutely. Okay. I just like the part that's weird to me is whenever people, we talk about this all the podcast, the people who turn to murder because of stupid stuff like this, like, oh, like this marriage is not working out murder or like, oh, this baby's interfering with my new boyfriend loving me enough murder. Like, no, just, (laughs) I don't understand that. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of hard to find a really good justifiable reason why, you know what, murder is the thing I should do. You know what, I didn't exactly. win the lottery this week. Well, I'm going to go kill the clerk. <laughs> like, come For on. For real. Like, people are thinking, oh, like, if we get divorced, it'll look bad. I should murder them. Like, that looks better. What? That's, that's, yeah, that's fine. That's or, like, fine. The, it's really weird to me the people who don't believe in divorce because of, like, God. They'll be like, God doesn't believe in divorce. Um, but it says till death do us part. So like, I just had to make the death part happen early. Like, no, I'm pretty sure that like that part was mentioned by <laughs> directly. That was, that was a little earlier. earlier. <laughs> kind of says that one was kind of important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he didn't read the don't murder parts of anything like really? the law or whatever. He just went straight, straight to murder. So in addition to him, like having this perfect life ruined, that doesn't even exist anyway. Um, she, apparently Lauren's family also told reporters that she had told Eric's fiance that she was having his baby just before he killed her. So that also is probably part of his motive to kill is that, she, you know, she revealed this big secret to everyone. Mm-hmm. Now on the night of the murder, Eric invited Lauren to meet up in this park and he promised to tell her good news about their relationship. <laughs> Because that's the monster that we're dealing with here. He literally lured her with, I have good news for you. After he dug a grave. Now, in messages, Lauren asked jokingly if he planned to kill her because she was a little concerned that they hadn't talked a little bit and now all of a sudden he wants to meet. And he said, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. They have text message documents of this. What, are you planning to kill me? (laughs) Ha ha. No. You (laughs) I know. Terrible. So she believed him and agreed to the meeting. And there in the park, he initially told Lauren that he planned to leave his fiance to begin a life with her and the baby. And she was so happy that she leaned in to hug and kiss him. And then this is the point that he strikes her. He spun her around and choked her to unconsciousness. And then he just threw her body into the grave and buried her alive. And the authorities believe that she died slowly under this mound of dirt. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And so at the, the sentencing hearing, according to the Oklahoman, he said, quote, I was thinking there was no way out. I felt cornered. I knew my parents would find out, unquote. Well, there's no way out now. There's I know, definitely right now no he's way in out. jail. Oh. He's in jail forever because after his allocution, the judge sentenced him to two life sentences. And there are differing reports about this, but it appears that he will cons- serve them consecutively. So okay. he'll probably be in there forever. Yay. Yay. Now, obviously, the case is resolved, but Lauren's family doesn't really have any resolution because they could never get Lauren back or Avery, Avery the baby that everyone was looking forward to meeting. Yeah. So kind of a sad story all around. Yeah, it is. The only thing that like makes it okay is that this jerk got what he deserved and the probably the quote smartest thing he could have done was making that deal to not get the death penalty Mm -hmm. because that boy there was there was going to be some pitchforks and fire for him for sure Um, i meant from the townspeople but legit (laughs) we live in texas so i'm familiar with that like yeah we've talked about this on the podcast a lot like Technically, Aaron and I really don't believe in the death penalty. Yeah. But I feel like it's easy to just like not argue with people over it because some of these people do such horrible stuff. And honestly, when the family wants it, sometimes I just don't have the heart to argue with them because people do such gross stuff to other yeah. people. Yeah. Like around, especially in that area where you are, kind of rural Oklahoma, you know, you take away essentially in their eyes, not one life, but two. It's like, that's a yeah. big freaking, especially such a young life. That's a big deal, and cool people. People want blood. You don't. You don't. You don't mess with. You don't mess with babies, man. You don't mess. No, no, not cool. Who does that? Who that's does that? About in the ghost baby case, yeah. like what is it? How do you mess with a baby? Like the little baby that gets abused by the quote unquote ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. That one. That case was hard for me. Like, yeah, I wanted I to do it why. because of the ghost thing, but. I don't know if we're gonna do a lot of like baby cases. I don't know how people are made to babies. That's 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 rough. It's 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 rough. I will tell you. Um, I was actually talking about this on one of my podcasts. Um, we were talking about how babies survive because they're actually like super gross and they yell a lot and they cry and it's mm-hmm. like hard to deal with. The only way they survive is by being so stinking cute. Like they're freaking mm-hmm. adorable. You love babies. That's that's their. That's their like defense mechanism is how adorable they are. And when you just get a person with no good bone or anything in their body, like they don't care about your cuteness. They're just stupid idiots who want a perfect life. Don't even know what that is. Yeah. I was like, or like the one that we just did, the one we that's coming out today. um, One of the victims, when she was a baby, her mom had like bitten her Mm -hmm. and her excuse was that the baby bit her first. And I was just like, how, oh, how are you, what the, no, like if you're, if you feel the need to bite your child, like maybe just, maybe parenting's not your calling. It's yeah. okay. Not everyone needs to be a parent. There's probably someone else that's not going to bite the baby and you should <laughs> let them take care of it. You know what? Why don't we have, I'm going to go with her because she doesn't bite babies. Exactly. And you just kind of back off for a little this is not a hard thing. I feel like if you are trying to do something really bad, just you don't do that thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Just get flabbergasted sometimes <laughs> with the decision making. Yeah, especially with your podcast, you probably review a lot of really awful decisions. 
Yes. I like, honestly, I feel bad because sometimes when I'm listening to the podcast, I feel like people might get the wrong idea because there were a few ones where we critique the killer's terrible murder plan. And we're like, everyone knows that you have to destroy the evidence. And <laughs> we're not in favor of people getting away with murders, to be clear. But at the same time, like, if you're watching the true crime show, I think that's a natural reaction to someone being a dumbass, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the one guy, I don't know if you listen to this case, but there's one where the husband kills his wife and he doesn't want her. She's also pregnant. Um, apparently, a lot of pregnant women get killed. Um, I'm learning from this crime show. Um, so he doesn't let the police inside cause he's got like a whole bunch of evidence in there. He did a terrible job cleaning up the crime and the police are like, okay, we'll have to wait for a search warrant. Then he puts the evidence into his trash can and like wheels it out to the curb where the police are like waiting to get, they can take that. Like you can, your trash is public. <laughs> You're discarding it. Anyone can just take that. So the police are like, really? Like, we're just gonna, okay. Like we just got it. Like we took it out of the trash can like oh here you. it is <laughs> <laughs> thank you for dumb. like putting this evidence out for us that's pretty i dumb. mean you might as well just put a confession out there like, like <laughs> mow it into your yard like i did it <laughs> so obviously he belongs in the jail but mm-hmm. at the same time like as a person who's listening to his story i can't help myself but be like what are you doing yeah <laughs> like, no try harder you stupid <laughs> idiot. Yeah. Yes. I, I like the the cases too where I don't like these as in I support them, but You're not for murder. I understand. No, I'm against murder. People vote no on murder. Vote no. <laughs> One would think. Then again, criminals are idiots. The the they kind of go hand in hand. Criminals a lot of times they'll leave behind evidence almost intentionally just so that they can get caught like they're they're not smart people obviously they're not smart people that's why they turn to crime that's a good point that's a good point yeah it makes me think of the like the ten dollars the time that you and i had a show together for murder mystery mm-hmm. when we had like the lowest tip ever where the lady gave us the five dollars oh right yeah. and we were so excited still so like that's how i support my theory that if ten dollars mm-hmm. were out people would take it because yeah. when we had five dollars, we were like, "Yeah, five dollars. We didn't yeah. have before two yes. dollars and fifty cents each. That's a drink at the store." Yeah, exactly. We're going to yeah. a gas station. Definitely <laughs> want to make that very clear. That was uh, five dollars split two ways, so two fifty each. <laughs> that so we were both very people? excited about. That was actually at the murder <laughs> mystery where we stayed behind for a while, and they told us about the ghosts that were in there. Yes, there were mm-hmm. ghosts there. Yeah, lots of ghosts. That all about crazy. that. It was. I feel like we were haunted. Oh yeah, personally. probably. That's why they gave us five dollars. That was for our. Yeah, that was for our troubles. Exactly, and I had a good time buying a snack on the way home. So <laughs> yeah, <woo-woo. me> too. <laughs> nailed it. All right, nice. So, is this the show? I think it is. Like that's all my notes for the case. I feel like he made fewer mistakes than most people because like he kind of almost got away with it. Like if he had interfaced with his girlfriend, maybe a little better, not right off. And then like, I don't know. I feel like he not told his friend. Oh, <laughs> not kinda, told that, his that, friend. Was yes. kind of, that was kind of his undoing. He was so close. Like he literally clocked into his job and then went to murder her and, and already had a grave prepared. Like that's pretty clever to be at work during the murder 
Not that I'm trying to give him credit. No, he deserves no credit. Anyway, I'm going to end off my show then. um, Because technically my show has been outside. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to edit. We'll figure it out. A show within a show within a show. Exactly. But there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, a bad acts with Danielle Blinka. It's just Ooh. been incredible. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you for being on my show at the same time. Um, yes. I, I think that this is awesome. And if anybody wants another true crime, please head over to Bad Axe. She does incredible, incredible stuff. And then I might ask like, if I can come on once or twice more, uh, just because it's fun um as well um so yeah go ahead check that out and then also join us again shortly because next time on the show namdi will have hopefully gotten out of his lego maze and will give us the instructions on how to build it and we'll talk through that uh very intensely so thank you once again for joining and we will see you next time bye-bye bye-bye